Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, October 28th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Apple is stepping up its search technology game. Boris Johnson's internal market bill could be in trouble, and LVMH and U.S. jeweler Tiffany are closing in on salvaging a deal. Plus, members of the U.S. Senate are going after big tech leaders today for what some Republicans call bad behavior. But can these companies be held liable for the content on their platforms? I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Google is under fire from the Department of Justice. The DOJ filed a lawsuit against the company accusing it of strangling internet search competition. We talked a little bit about this last week. But there may be a new search player on the block, Apple. Now, if you look closely at the iPhone operating system iOS 14, there's a barely noticeable change to how its search works. Apple has started to show its own search results and link directly to websites when users type in a question from its home screen. This might seem small, but actually, sources tell the FT it's an important advance in Apple's in-house development. And the development plays an important role in the DOJ Google saga. Right now, Google makes payments to Apple to be the iPhone's default search tool. And if regulators block the partnership with Google, Apple could use its own search capability as an alternative. Apple declined to comment. Boris Johnson's Brexit bargaining chip might get blocked by the House of Lords next month. The bargaining chip, the Prime Minister's UK internal market bill, would undermine the Northern Ireland peace process and break Britain's withdrawal treaty with the EU. But Democratic U.S. presidential candidate Joe Biden has pushed back on the plan. In fact, Mr. Biden has outright said he wouldn't sign a trade deal with the U.K. unless key clauses in the bill were taken out. And so peers in the House of Lords are expected to do just that next month, throw out six clauses from the bill. If peers do that, then it's up to Mr. Johnson to decide whether he would reinstate the clauses in the House of Commons and risk creating controversies with a potential Biden administration and with Brussels. And it's a deal that was on its way to court, but instead LVMH and Tiffany are going to try and work it out on their own. Sources told the FT the two sides are renegotiating LVMH's $16.6 billion takeover of the U.S. jeweler. LVMH had agreed to pay $135 a share in cash for Tiffany last November, but the world's largest luxury group has argued that Tiffany should have a lower valuation because of the effect of the coronavirus on the business. At one point, LVMH even threatened to walk away from the deal, but Tiffany filed a lawsuit in the U.S. Now, Tiffany is willing to consider a new price as long as it's above $130 a share and LVMH agrees to close the deal without any other changes. To put that in context, every $1 per share shaved off the original price is the same as taking $120 million off the entire price. LVMH and Tiffany both declined to comment. Big tech leaders getting hauled before U.S. Congress. It's become a common sight over the past few years. And today, the chief executives of Twitter, Facebook, and Alphabet will appear virtually before the Senate. This hearing is about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Now, if you don't know off the top of your head what Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act is, don't worry. I've got the FT's Kieran Stacey, our Washington correspondent who covers tech policy, here to help lay it all out. Kieran, what is today's hearing all about? 
Section 230 sounds like an obscure piece of legislation, but it's actually been referred to as the 26 words that created the internet. What it does is say, look, if you're a social media platform, third-party users can post on your platform without you being liable for what they say. That means I can say a tweet that defames somebody else, and only am I, I am responsible for that. Twitter is not responsible for that. This is essentially the idea that these companies are not really publishers. They are merely platforms for other people to post their ideas. The problem is that these companies also then do some moderation, which some people say, hey, that kind of turns them into publishers. If you're redacting some comments or posts, if you're editing some, if you're allowing some through but not others, that turns you into publishers. Well, this piece of law specifically says they should not be counted as publishers. It is absolutely crucial for the way that Twitter and Facebook and to a certain extent Google work. This is the piece of legislation that Donald Trump and Joe Biden and lots of members of Congress have zeroed in on as the one thing that gives social media companies their exalted status. And when they are wanting to bring them under more government control, this is one piece of legislation that they particularly focus on. Yeah, that partisan part is really important to to focus on here because Twitter and Facebook have caveated and deleted some of uh, Donald Trump's posts, his campaign posts. Um, and Republicans say there's a, there's a real bias. And this comes into play at a very interesting time. We're less than a week away from the U.S. presidential election, and this has become a real partisan issue. It has. It's extraordinary how this one particular law has become such a partisan issue. To the extent that Donald Trump has tweeted repeal 230 and has mentioned it at his rallies, almost as if your average voter should be expected to know what this means. But definitely, I think in the heat of an election campaign, it is not surprising that these three chief executives are being hauled up in front of Congress. This is not just really to discuss the way that this law works, of course. It is to justify their entire business models uh, and to explain why they act in the ways that they do. It will, I'm sure, be a chance for both sides of the aisle to grandstand somewhat, to get their clips replayed on television and to also clip them and send them out to supporters. Uh, I would expect this to be an enormous campaign exercise for pretty much everybody involved. Mm. So what is the defense by companies here? Is there one? The defense is the internet wouldn't work without this law. They simply cannot operate in the way they do without some kind of legal protection. And they are right in that. If they were liable in the same way that the FT is liable, for example, for the content that we put on our website, if Twitter was liable for all the content on Twitter, um, they would be sued for defamation every second of every minute of every day. Now, there is a slightly more complex argument here, which is that it's not these platforms are passive. It's the fact that they edit and moderate. Well, what they say is, look, if you take away our absolute legal protections here, it's not that we will cease to exist or even that we will behave in ways that you want us to. What we'll do is stop editing and stop moderating. If you want an absolute free-for-all on the internet, this is the way to go about it. We will act as passive platforms. We will not do anything that labels us as publishers. And therefore, we will not have that role which then subjects us to defamation liability. Right. And, and of course... Nobody wants that considering the rate at which fake news and disinformation can spread on these platforms. They want some moderation. They just, politicians at, at, at this testimony today, at this hearing today, they want accountability and they want unbiased moderation. Well, everybody wants different kinds of moderation. That's the difficult thing. So Republicans, the thing that they complain about a lot is Google returning 
search results more prominently from CNN than from Fox News. That is a classic Republican complaint. Democrats, however, want Facebook to stop allowing so many misleading adverts on its platform, and Facebook has tried to do that. It has, for example, enacted an advertising ban that takes place over the two weeks covering the election, the week before and the week after, under huge pressure from Democrats. That actually went live yesterday, and this was supposed to be Facebook's great answer to why it still allows political advertising without actually fact-checking it. And this is what I'd like to turn to next. What happened with that ad ban? That policy was pretty comprehensively botched. Within hours of the ad ban going live, there were numerous complaints coming in from both sides of the aisle about how its policies had been misapplied. For example, one of the caveats to the ad ban is that any ad that had been registered and run before that day could continue to run. So there was a flurry of ads that went live just the night before the ad ban came into effect. The problem was there was so much activity that the Facebook algorithm appeared to start just cancelling ads that had actually been running for a long time and had already been certified as being okay. This has caused severe problems for a lot of candidates, particularly, I should say, congressional candidates who don't have a lot of money to spend and for whom every day is absolutely critical now, just a week away from the election. But let me tell you about another problem. This is something we discovered last night at the FT. The Trump campaign appeared to have registered, pre-registered a bunch of ads which said, vote today, today is election day. Now, those in themselves contravened Facebook's policies. You are not allowed to say vote today because that kind of advert could be misused by being run on the wrong day and therefore suppressing people's votes. Essentially, you target voters that you don't want to vote. You tell them the wrong day to vote. They don't turn up at the polls. Now, we don't know whether the Trump campaign was actively trying to do this. What we do know is that they pre-registered a bunch of ads that did say vote today. To pre-register, you actually have to put them live on your web, on, on Facebook. These ads had gone live, and by the time Facebook realized that they were up and that they should be taken down, they'd already been seen by over 200,000 people. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that the people who saw these were overwhelmingly in swing states, places like Georgia, Arizona, Florida, The Trump campaign was clearly targeting swing states with these messages. All of Facebook's promises that it was not going to allow this kind of misinformation seem to have been violated by this one single act. I think it's a very serious breach of Facebook's rules. And by the time the company actually discovered it, the damage had arguably been done. In response, Facebook said it prohibits ads that say vote today without additional context or clarity. The Trump campaign did not respond to the FT's request to comment. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.